Welcome to Talk with the Texan, Money and Life with Troy Eckert. This program is thought-provoking, informative, entertaining, and down to business. We face facts and ideas about how to make, protect, and build your net worth. You'll get over three decades of frontline experiences and real-life examples of what to do and the pitfalls to avoid. Now, here's Troy Eckert. Hey, 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 everyone. This is Troy Eckert with Talk with the Texan. This is Money and Life. I would like to talk to you today about something that I think you would have at least a little bit of concern with, and more importantly, probably something you want to at least start thinking about. It's a touchy subject. It's a subject that has uh, thousands of answers. It's got thousands of issues, it's got thousands of problems. But at the end, it really boils down just a couple of things. And what I want to talk to you today about is what is wrong with America's workforce? What is wrong with American employees and their work ethics today? You know, I've had my own company now going on about 35 years. I have had employees come and I've had employees go. I've had everything you can think of from employees that have embezzled. I've had employees that have threatened to sue me. I've had employees that have sued. I have had sexual harassment threats. I have had fabrication. I have had just about everything you can think of in the last three and a half decades. Um, One of the things that I think is really important is that the hardest part about running a business is trying to figure out how to take various levels of talent, put it together, let each one of the individuals that are involved uh, do the very best they can at the skill set that they have in the department they've been hired to, to work in and to do it in the way that integrates or works with all the other departments. So therefore you have the desired output for your business. But what's wrong with the workforce? Because I think today's generation, no different than probably when I was a kid, I'm sure that uh, guys that were 58 years old, like I am today, would say, you know, not in our generation. Our generation, we'd walk two miles uphill in the snow to get home from school. I get that. This is a new generation. This is a generation of technology. It's a generation of a lot of things that are completely different than they were five years ago, 10 years ago, and for sure, 30 years ago when I started. And the reason why I find this to be such an important subject, and the reason why I wanted to do today's show on this, is that... I see a pattern, I see a trend, and it's pretty alarming to be candid. What makes me alarmed is that you're not seeing a pattern of employees that are buying into the business. You're not seeing a pattern of employees who come to the business and say, I'm gonna put my anchor in the ground, I'm going to integrate myself throughout the company, I'm gonna seek input. I'm going to seek guidance from the management team. And I'm going to figure out how I can take my skill set, improve that skill set, maybe become more diversified within the company. So that way I become more valuable. And when I'm done, maybe I can elevate myself in position, in pay, or at least in stature. Now, I think one of the issues is that most employers, because of today's labor shortages, are pretty much hiring anybody that's breathing. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, of course. I'm just saying you run an ad and you have it for six months. In six months, you might get, in my case, 20 or 30 respondents. You know automatically 10 of the respondents are absolutely not qualified, don't even make any sense to interview them. 
they've applied for the wrong job because they're just shotgunning out resumes. The balance of them, the other 10 out of 20 in my example, are individuals who have some but not all the skill sets, but then you start looking deep into the resume and the resume starts showing a, a very clear pattern. Most of the people applying today have had no less than four and up to eight jobs over the last 10 years, four to eight. Now, I grant it, you can go to work for a company and find out that the pay scale was not what they promised you. The reviews were not fair, in your opinion. Um, the commute was further than you thought, and you've got family to take care of. The particular business you're working for has been financially shifted as a result of the COVID lockdown or the economy, et cetera. There's a lot of reasons, once. There's a lot of reasons, maybe twice. When you get to that fourth, fifth, eighth job turnover in 10, 11, 12 years, the first thing that it signals to any particular employer is that we don't have a problem in the job market. We have a, a problem with this employee. Because as the saying goes, the leper never changes its spots. And so when you hire somebody who has historically shown a pattern for not being a very much long-term player, you're telling yourself that you're going to change that pattern. So my stepbrother passed away a couple of years ago and, and uh, you know, God rest his soul. But he was always pretty funny to me because he said, you know, these women are just crazy. I said, really, how do you get that? He goes, well, I've been married seven times. I got four kids from seven different wives. And these women are crazy. And I looked at him. And I said, you know, I don't think it's the women, but I think there's a common denominator. You're the only husband that most of them have had. And you have been married to seven different women in your lifetime there is a key denominator. And I would say the same thing about somebody who comes in to interview for a job with four to eight years. And that is, they probably have never decided that they're gonna become a company man or woman. They've never decided that I'm gonna take the skill sets I have, I'm gonna find the right industry, the right job, the right company, I'm gonna do my very best to screen where I wanna work, what I wanna do, and I'm gonna buy into that company's business and I'm gonna buy into that company's philosophy and I'm gonna buy into being part of that company. And when I do, I'm gonna work my tail off in order to improve my skill sets, to fulfill the job I've been hired for, to assure myself that I am perfectly trained and available for any kind of upward mobility movement in the company. I'm gonna deepen my skills so if for some reason the company shuts down tomorrow, I have a stronger resume, I'm more available to be hired by another company and I can keep stepping up the ladder in the world of, of jobs. I can, I can say I've got a better skill set leaving than when I got here. And I don't think that's going to happen. And I think the reason is, is that we become a society of excuses. We become a society of, well, that's not my job, it's somebody else's. We become a very spoiled workforce in that we just feel that there's not very many people competing for the job. So I don't have to do an A plus job. I can just do a C plus, B minus. I can just fade off in the distance and my work is obscure enough that it doesn't get caught. Nobody will see it. Nobody will, will cite me. But, you know, a talk with the Texan, money and life, your decision defines your life. And your decision is going to define your money. Because let me tell you something, people that are coming in interviewing with me right now, and if I see a gap in their resume, for the most part of the last two to three years are ineligible to be hired. It's my choice. I'm a small company. I just said, look, um, I appreciate you had stay home provisions for COVID. I appreciate you had X, Y, and Z. I appreciate all the excuses you have. But a substantial portion of this country did not use COVID in order to stop pulling their weight. A substantial portion of this country 
that we went out, we took the risk, we ferried back and forth to work, we did what was necessary, we ate at our desk. And what we did was we continued to run this country because we didn't want to be living off of and out of the government money. We didn't want to make excuses for staying home. We didn't want to take our skill sets and have a three-year gap in climbing up what we believe to be the ladder of success when it comes to jobs, occupations, and creating income and wealth for our family. And I just look at it and say, I get to choose as the employer. I'm going to choose. This has nothing to do with anything under the Constitution. It has to do with, I don't want to hire somebody with a black shirt on. That's just the way it goes. I don't want to hire anybody with uh, tall tennis shoe heels. I don't want to do it. I don't want to hire anybody who hasn't been actively employed over the last three years. I'm not going to do it. Now, let's go beyond just my own personal selection. Let's go on beyond what I think. Let's go on to what I see, because what I think is just subjective. What I see is pretty much empirical data from hands-on results, which is the following. People will interview with you. They'll tell you what they want. They'll tell you what they're looking for. They'll tell you what they've been doing. You ask them point blank questions about their previous job and income. You get very vague answers. And you start talking about references and you start talking about, you know, who I can call. Well, I'm still working there, so don't call my previous boss and et cetera. And you say, okay, well, you said you made this much money last year. I'll need you to bring me your W-2 or your, your tax return to show me you made that money. Well, you know, some of that was bonus money. It's okay. You still have to report it on your taxes. And so what you find is an embellishment of their resume, an embellishment of their performance, an embellishment of their income. And what you find is the very foundation of the initial meetings is that they're trying to get hired under false pretenses. So this, this falseness, this, this, this laziness, this fakeness that goes on in the country is now become an infectious disease. I believe that the laziness of the American workforce is far worse and far more catastrophic than COVID was. Now, I've been fortunate, not, not all the time, but I've been really fortunate the last couple of years. At my company, we started really increasing the scrutiny on who we hired. We started really increasing the, the ability to match new individuals with the culture of the company. And as a result, we've had an incredibly high retention over the last 12 months. And that hasn't come without a price. The price is those that are already there have been working much harder and we have been working much longer hours and we have been pulling more than our fair share of weight. But I think most, if not all of the current employees of our company will agree. It is easier, better, and less stressful if we all agree to pull slightly more than we were really thinking we would pull than add somebody else to the mix it becomes the poison in the water, becomes the oil in the swimming pool where it's no longer potable. And that's tough. But, you know, they, they say a, a bad employee is worse than cancer because at least cancer you can identify and eradicate. Sometimes your worst employee is the one that is covertly destroying the morale, undermining management, and doing everything they can to derail the company, sometimes not even on purpose. Sometimes that's just who they are and they can't help themselves. But the American workforce it's scary to me. It's scary when I interview and it's almost like they're asking me more questions than I ask them. They're asking me about health benefits, insurance and vacation and days off and their PPO and their uh, uh, retirement. They inform me, I have a trip planned next March to spring break. Or I got a trip planned my family in two weeks. So when I start, I'm gonna need a week off vacation the first day I get there. You're thinking, really? So let me reflect back to what I looked at when I first started working in 1985. Oh, I know, that, that makes me a granddad, makes me an old part. Well, I am, I'm 58 years old, but let me tell you something. When I went to apply for a job, I filled out the application, I sat on in the interview and I said, I've done a little research on your company. From what I understand, this is what you do, this is how your company has been around since 1975, uh, blah, 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 it's a family owned business. And 
I'm applying for this job and I'm not quite certain it's, it's a job I understand, but this is what I understood as a response to the ad looking for new employees. Um, I just want to let you know that I did my research. I want to let you know that I'm very anxious to interview. I hope that the interview goes well and, and possibly this is a job for me and, and I'm the right applicant for you. Um, go ahead. I'm ready to answer your questions. Now, I didn't do that every time. And I didn't do exactly like that. My point was I came prepared for interviews. I came prepared to know what the company was about, what they manufactured, what they made, what kind of services they provided. And I learned a little bit about the history of the company. So I know how the heck they got there and who's in charge and why it's a company I want to work for. I mean, I've only got maybe 40 years of a career. The last thing I want to do is spend five or six working for the wrong company at the wrong pay for the wrong people for the wrong reason. This is talk with the Texas money in life, ladies and gentlemen. This is not time to pussyfoot around. Whether you're the person looking for a job or whether you're the person who's hiring, I mean, it's real simple. I called, I called somebody yesterday and I said, hey, listen, I want to talk to you about a job opening that we have and this is what I'm doing. Uh, you used to work for me a couple of years ago and I think this may be something you want to revisit again. Well, I'm not saying no. And I said, oh, you just said no, but thank you very much for your time. Good luck to you and your family. And I hung up. I'm not saying no. Of course you're saying no. Or you're saying no with conditions. I called another individual and said, hey, listen, I uh, would like to talk to you about a job. Guy says, okay, I'll call you in a couple hours. Never responds. Email in the next day. I said, I'm just trying to clean up the resumes. Want to know if we missed each other by you calling me or you're still interested in the job or not interested in the job. He sends me back an email response about 24 hours later. Gives me this long excuse about where he was and what he's doing, et cetera. And it says at the end, he goes, okay, thanks, bud. B-U-D, bud. I wouldn't hire the guy if it, if it was the last person on earth. Um, I wanted to respond in kind by saying, you're the most unprofessional person I've spoken with, but you're interviewing. And even if you don't want the job, it's a very small world out there, folks. A lot of people know a lot of people who know a lot about other people. And it doesn't take a lot for the upper echelon of management in various industries to somehow stumble across each other. But if that's your response to an ad you sent a resume in for, that you requested a job interview and that's how you respond and that's the delinquency and response time and then you end it with, thanks, bud. It tells me all I need to know, you did me a huge favor by not ever responding because quite frankly, you wouldn't have lasted five minutes at my office. Now, I think that what's wrong with the American workforce is the following. If you're a, if you're a high rope walker and you're gonna walk across without any kind of net, you focus really, really well because if you miss, you could die. If you happen to be a rodeo clown and you're trying to get that bull not to kill that rider, and you know that when that bull finally ditches the rider, you got to get his attention. You know you're now in the uh, eye of the tiger. You're now directly in the path of that big bull, that 1,200-pound animal that would love to do nothing better than gore you or take your head off. You don't have time to do anything but focus. You don't have a safety net. You don't have a trampoline to jump out of. You got a 1,200 to 1,500 pound bull. You have a guide wire stretched between two distances with 40, 50, 100 feet between you and the ground. And one fatal mistake could be fatal. One misstep could mean crippled for life. You don't have time for error. What we have in this country, in my view right now, is we have unemployment. We have WIC cards. We have every kind of government handout you can think of. We just saw the president try to illegally give away a, almost a half a trillion dollars for people who borrowed money to go to school who have no intention on paying it back and he thinks that's going to be right, that's gonna send the right message. Um, for me, it's pretty simple. We, we are dealing with an opportunity now as employers, as mentors, 
as fathers, as brothers, as uncles, to start ingraining in these younger, uh, younger Americans. And I'm talking even like 45 and younger. It started getting corrupt probably 20 years ago. When you start ingraining in them that the opportunity for you to hold a good job, to improve your skills, to provide for your family, to, to build a, fi a financial platform through the retirement program, to get insurance, to pull your weight. We as entrepreneurs, we as managers, owners, CEOs, we as mentors, we must give every bit that we have to start demonstrating to employees what it means to be a franchise player. So one of the things that we've been doing uh, as far as my company goes, and this is where I say, you know, what's wrong with the American uh, uh, workforce? I watch and I listen. And so I do some surveys. We did this about a month ago. I sat down, I said, okay, everybody, let's, let's, let's spend an hour. And let's ask some questions. You know, why did you come to work? It was it for the job, the location, the money, the, the, the elevation up from where you were at a previous job. Uh, what's most important to you? Days off, part-time days, flex work, money, bonuses, cash. And we went through these whole series of questions and we, just did it in a way that was kind of fun. It wasn't really a big survey. It wasn't all stuffy on, online. It was a bunch of notepads and three pads in the kitchen, and we all just broke out and we did this. But it was very enlightening, the results that we had come back. Very, very enlightening. I mean, quite frankly for me, um, it was probably what you would somewhat expect. It looked like about, I don't know, 30% of the company employees were mainly focused on benefits. How much do I get paid? How much vacation time do I have? Um, how do I get a bonus? When do I get a bonus, et cetera? When it came to uh, describing the company, I said, tell me what you think of the company. Well, they came back and they said, oh, it's everything from uh, intense, it's busy, it's driven, it's cooperative, it's hardworking, it's grinding, it's this, it's that. I was like, man, great. I bet there was 40 adjectives. That, I mean, awesome. Some were like, you know, we're very intense, we're aggressive, we're busy, we're high energy. Well, the whole point is, is that at least it wasn't lame and horrible and corrupt and I mean, there's a whole another 40 adjectives I'm glad they didn't put down, right? When you ask why, why you're staying or why you're here and what you hope to get by staying with the company, it was like, hey, for more opportunity, I want to learn more, do more, grow more. I want to get a better position within the company. I want to grow in the industry. Um, I want to be have some stability. I want to be with a company that has shown you know, three decades of stability. They've been around. They've made the payroll. They've made it through ups and downs. And that's what I need for my families to have a place to work. I mean, it is about the American workforce and what the workforce is telling us is they're looking for owners to lead. They're looking for owners to actually stop being woke and stop being wieners. They're asking us to say, you know what, set the guidelines, tell us what you want. Those who can't comply, please exit them, get them off the table because 95% want the same thing. The 5% outliers, that's your poison. That's your poison pill in your water. That's what's contaminating your company is that 5%. So more importantly today is we've got to figure out what we can do to make long-term franchise players. Now, this can be even beyond just your place of employment. This can be in your investment clubs. This can be in your mastermind organizations. This can be between you and your clientele. You've got to start setting the tone and the expectation because like in my business, I call some of the high net worth investors that invest in my company. I say, you're, you're just a fair weather investor. Well, what does that mean? Well, you're only investing now because this sector is hot. You don't plan on building it. You don't want to understand it. You don't ask questions. It's clear you're throwing a little bit of chump change into it. If I make you great returns, you're still not going to invest more. You're not going to stick with me. And if you do bad, you'll just cry and whine. And so you've got to figure out what you want to do as far as 
dealing with the current American workforce because the American workforce today predominantly is jaundice. It is expectant. It is spoiled. It is short term. It is not even looking down the road. They're barely looking in front of the dash of the, of the car. They want to know, is there a better offer down the street? How fast do I change positions? How fast do I switch roles? And I mean, I've interviewed these folks and I talked to them and I'm like, well, why are you looking for a job? You have a good job. Yeah, but I've been here four months and I, I just, man, I think I can get a better opportunity somewhere else. So you took a position with a company, you committed to them. They started training you. You're getting paid what you asked for, what you accepted. Four months later, you're online looking for another job. Well, you're Johnny come lately. You're, you're never going to stay with the company. You're always looking for a better deal. And you'll run out of room in, in your early to late 40s. You're going to run out of room because let me tell the entire audience listening today. By the time you're in your mid 40s, maybe even up to your 50s, you have defined who you really are for the most part. There's the outliers. There's the, those who will remake themselves. They get famous. They do a you know, viral video, whatever. But I'm telling you, 90 plus percent of the people in this world are who they're going to be by the time they're 45 to 50 years old. You're going to be a drunk. You're going to be a drug head. You're going to be lazy. You're going to be smoking dope. You're going to be, you're going to be a hard worker. You're going to be a workaholic. You're going to be a construction worker. You're going to be an uptight executive in Wall Street. You pretty well have defined it. You've also done the same thing in your personal life. You're a spendthrift. You're, you're a party hound. You're a drunk. You, you're a womanizer. I mean, I don't know what it all is. On the flip side is you're a Soccer dad, you got four kids. All you do is barbecue and go on vacation. Everybody knows, man, that guy is a great dad. This is what he does. You're defined. Ladies, you're defined. It's the outlier. It's the exception to the rule that finally breaks out. But here's why I'm telling you all that. When you're looking at the American workforce and you start interviewing, you start talking, you start having group think tanks, and you start discussing the needs in your own business or the needs for where you want to work, the longer you take, to stop being a fair-weathered employee, the longer you take to stop thinking about becoming a franchise player for a company you want to work with, the longer you take to say, I'm not really a good employee. I'm going to stop applying. I'm going to go start my own job. Even if you mowed grass, you'd be better off. So the truth of the matter is the American workforce has changed. It's dramatic. What's wrong with it? It's very simple. It is short-term minded. It is not very well-skilled in the social attribute. It is expectant. It is spoiled. It is, in my view, significantly underskilled, and it lacks in uniformity when it comes to the basis, the basis and the basics of what a company is there for. So let me tell you what I see. I see the first order of priority is the protection of the company at all costs, above the owner. Making the company survive, giving it a great reputation, never putting anything online that is negative, never doing anything detrimental to the company or its name or its business is paramount from the, both the employees as well as the owners, because the company is the core. Outside the core is gonna be the owner, because why would the owner have a business unless it is enough value that surpasses what he might otherwise get by just being in the workforce himself or herself? And you've gotta have enough lift in value to offset the risk. So I want the company protected first. The owner's interest, which is in fact is the company, must be second in line, because if the owner's not making money for the risk he's taking, He's going to go to the next best alternative to replace what that company should be giving him. Then around that becomes what? Becomes the employees. Because without the employees, the owner can't run the business and the business itself will fail. And then outside that becomes the customers. So customers, employees, owner, company. That's the order. And what I feel like many times is it's completely opposite. Everybody's so busy trying to handle the customers, they forget to tell the customer. The answer is no, we just can't do that. I, I appreciate you asking, but 
we cannot let you get on the six flag ride unless you're a certain height. We can't let you do X, Y, and Z because you're not qualified to do that. Well, I'm going to throw a hissy fit. Well, I appreciate you're going to throw a hissy fit. The hissy fit line is off to the left. So we as a as a as a economy, we as a business, we as a, a uh, an American workforce, we spend all of our time taking care of the of the customer. Then we take care of all the employees, give them everything they want, and pay raises and hourly raises and time off and PPO and work from home and remote. And just it never ends. I mean, just never, never ends. It will here shortly when this recession kicks in this coming year. And then finally get around to the owner. The owner's like, why am I working so hard? Why is everybody else off and I'm here on Saturday afternoon? Why is everybody here when the bills come due and everybody else has got their paycheck and I'm not able to take one? And why am I running a business when the company itself doesn't seem to be growing? It simply seems to be that host in which a whole bunch of, of little insects are eating it up every single day. And that's the employees and the owner. They're just all consuming it as fast as they can. And the company's dying a slow death, or maybe it's dying an accelerated death. You just don't see it. As I wrap up today's podcast, all I want to do is I want you to think about a couple of things. Number one, I want you to think about where you're at. Are you an employee or are you an owner? It's two different mindsets. If you're an employee, give 110%. Not 100%. Get 110. Do, do more than your job. Do more to, to get along with your fellow workers. Do more to get along with your owners. Do more to put yourself in the position of growing uh, organically inside the company you're with by learning more skills and staying late and asking what other people do. And maybe you can be that, that magnet by the uh, water cooler that says good things about the company and the management it says, you know what? We're lucky to have a job. This, this is a great place to work. And if it's not so good, maybe you can make suggestions how to make it better. I want to leave you one other thought. And that is the following. America is going down the wrong path. It is going down the path of weakness, whining, excuses, and handouts. And that is absolutely nothing more than a foundation built on a sand dune. It won't last. It won't stand tall. It'll fall at the first sign of a storm. And everything in it and around it will be washed out to sea because it has not a leg to stand on. We are a weak. We are a dysfunctional. We are a very overpaid, underworked American workforce. And we can change that. Now, by the way, I'm not talking to everybody. I'm talking to the majority of the bulk. And we can change that. Get off the couch, stop eating Cheetos, get to work, find a job, pull your weight, and let's get this country back to being the powerhouse that it was four years ago. Hey, this is Troy Eckert talking with the Texan Money Life. Thanks for listening. Take care. Thanks to all our incredible friends for joining Troy for today's show, Talk with the Texan money, and life. Please join your host, Troy Eckert, for another edition of the program every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Troy, engage him, challenge him, but most importantly, listen to him. Three decades of expertise at your disposal. We'll see you here next week.